I have everybody's attention now? Hey now. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Podcast Express. We're on a day early. Uh, turns out me and Joe both took the day off, so uh, I took it off because I can just do shit like that. And uh, Joe, why are you at home today? Man, I've been sick all week, so I, I'm kind of playing hooky today and trying to get myself better. Oh, okay. Well, we all hope you feel better. Hey, um, you know what you could do is is go over. Do you guys have like a Walgreens or stuff like that in that area? Yeah, we do have Walgreens. Okay, okay. So go over to Walgreens and get you some my doll, <laughs> and you can take that, and it'll make you feel immediately better. You know, I knew you were going somewhere with that. I was expecting tampons, but my doll's a little <laughs> bit more clever. Oh, well, well, yeah, I've been doing this a long time. Anyway, welcome yeah. to the Podcast Express, everybody. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, and uh, again, we're doing our show before The Observer comes out, so we're not stealing anybody. Well, we're stealing people's news, but not just one person's news. Uh, <laughs> and uh, right before we hit record here, a, a big story broke, which we don't have a whole lot of information about yet, so hopefully while we're recording, uh, we, we might get some more info, but it looks like... Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn were both sent home from the UK tour for disciplinary reasons. And that's all. It was reported by Pro Wrestling Sheet. Uh, the Observer picked it up. I think uh, Sports Illustrated picked it up. But th- it doesn't really seem to be a whole lot of info out there about this. Yeah. Um, you know, want to give whatever credit where credit is due that's available right now. Sports Illustrated did say that they were told it was due to uh, Sami and Kevin quote-unquote going into business for themselves on smackdown with their promo maybe uh, breaking the script a little bit but they didn't have any exact details pro wrestling sheet and ryan satin over there um really just saying that it was due to disciplinary issues excuse me disciplinary issues but again no more details on it so hopefully more comes out but keep this in mind like two of their biggest stars on the uk tour were sent home early and as much as everybody has hated enzo and as much as Enzo has been out partying and being an idiot, he's not been sent home from anything yet. So you imagine it's something pretty serious for both of them to get sent home in the middle of the tour. Yeah, they're both top-of-the-card guys. They're huge stars. And so if they got sent home, they must have did something. Uh, and it would be irresponsible to speculate. So, uh, well, let's go ahead and speculate. I'm wondering, <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, I, I, I watched most of SmackDown. I saw their... Their stuff. I didn't really see anything in that that would have caused them to yeah. get sent home. That's weird. But keep in mind, it was pre-taped, so they very easily could have cut out a line or two. Oh yeah, I mean, I guess that's entirely possible. But you know, I was um, I was reading along with the live spoilers, and nobody really uh, said anything about anything that they could have done that was inappropriate on the live spoiler. So, man, I don't know. I. I uh, that's interesting, man. I wonder what they could have done. And maybe it wasn't going into business for themselves. Because keep in mind, Sports Illustrated, when it comes to pro wrestling, they get a lot of shit wrong. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, like I said, I, I, I'm leaning more towards, you know, erring on the side of caution. Um, Ryan Satin and, and his group over at Pro Wrestling Sheet, I, I feel like has been pretty accurate. And they don't put out stuff before they have confirmed it. Um, and they, they say they have no details right now. So, you know, I'm sure we'll hear sooner than later, but I, I have no idea what it could be. Sami Zayn, everything I have always been told is, you know, the consummate professional. Kevin Owens, he's an ass, but that's his character. He's always seemed very professional outside of his character. So who knows what this could be? 
Yeah, uh, I don't know. I hope it doesn't really uh, deter their career very much. Uh, I, I think they're both great for that show. I think they're great as a heel act together. Uh, I am excited to see what they do in the future, and I hope this is yeah. just a, you know, a little slap on the wrist here. Maybe they're back on SmackDown next week. Uh, it yeah. seems, though, they, they don't really have a spot on Survivor Series, though, do they? No, I mean, they're currently not listed on the card. Um, the survive, like, you know, spoiler alert if anybody hasn't seen, the final member of Team SmackDown was announced last night with it being John Cena. Uh, um, that, that was actually announced today on Twitter. So, today. Yeah. Okay. Shane McMahon put that on Twitter today. So yeah. they, they must have just finalized the deal. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's not a whole lot of room left on the card for them. And even at this point, I mean, we're, what, 10, 11 days away from Survivor Series. There's not a whole lot that would make sense. Um, one thing I, I'd like to bring up, I, I really don't think this is it, but Sami Zayn in his promo last night, you know, he kind of mocked Vince McMahon with a, a you're fired or, you know, we might get fired and kind of mimicked him. Would Vince McMahon be petty enough? Is that something that might annoy him enough if that was off script to result in any disciplinary action? Uh, let me put it to you this, this way. <clears throat> Did Vince McMahon send DX to go do an invasion of WCW? Yes. Okay. Now, when the same thing happened to him, what did he do to the Young Bucks and the Bullet Club after they did the exact <laughs> same thing to him? Cease and desist. Okay, so I would say that he's pretty fucking petty. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, Titus O'Neil getting suspended, um, you know, a year or two ago just for, you know, kind of shoving or patting Vince on the back during a, a seg. I think actually during the Daniel Bryan segment, if I'm not wrong. Uh, well, um, so what happened with that, and we don't want to get too off track with that story, but... uh um yeah it was after the daniel bryan retirement segment and vince mcmahon was walking up the ramp and was going through the curtain and stephanie was with him and titus grabbed vince and said hold on ladies first to let stephanie uh go in front of him and uh, that's what pissed vince off that uh you know titus grabbed him and pulled him like that yeah and it resulted in i think a just a small 30-day suspension for a guy who was just named like father of the year and you know wwe was promoting through all of their charity endeavors um, so it, I mean, honestly, we have no idea, obviously, right. but it could have been something as small and petty like that, that got those two guys sent home. Absolutely. All right. Well, Hey, since we're speaking about SmackDown, um, big news last night and I honestly, I kind of saw it coming at first, but then they changed my mind, uh, with a raw on Monday night, whenever they did the video package of Brock versus gender and they were really building that match. I was like, okay, well there's no fucking way AJ Styles is winning the title from gender now. And motherfucker won. Uh, he he beat Jinder clean in the middle with the uh, the phenomenal forearm, and he is the new WWE champ. And they've already started promoting that at Survivor Series we're gonna have Brock Lesnar versus uh, AJ Styles. Man, that is awesome. Yeah, and you know, really think about the last two WWE pay per views where we had this this one card that was built up for a couple weeks, and then within the last week or two of the the card itself so many things changed to where there's now more intrigue in the card than than the original card that was set you know it happened with tlc when you know roman got dropped and kurt angle had to step in and aj styles had to step in to face balor same thing's happening here they i don't know what happened maybe it was just a creative change maybe there's some sort of injury don't want to speculate too much on gender but having aj styles versus brock lesnar now far more interesting to just about every wrestling fan than Brock Lesnar versus Jinder Mahal. And then the possibility of the Shield versus the New Day, which is where I think they're leaning um, after the New Day did a kind of pseudo-invasion of Raw, and Roman is supposed to be back on Raw Monday. 
So instead of having Roman and the Raw versus SmackDown match, having Roman with the Shield versus the New Day, a heck of a lot more interesting. So I like the direction things are going these last week or so. Yeah, hey, and uh, you just killed like three of my topics. So. <laughs> in one little in one little rant, but yeah, so uh, <laughs> uh, Survivor Series is far more interesting uh, today than it was a week ago. That's absolutely a, a fact. Uh, nobody really wanted to see Gender um, take on Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series in the main event. Nobody wanted to see Gender with the title, honestly. Outside of India, no, nobody did. And I mean, he, did, this is did my, India even really want to see it? I mean, uh, I think I think they did. Uh, you would see some stuff online and some uh, folks on, uh, you know, some of the message boards and Reddit and whatnot. Um, you know, people with, that are Indian uh, happen to enjoy the fact that they have an Indian guy as champion. Uh, that makes sense that they would like that. I, I think, and this is going to sound kind of awful, but it, you know, sometimes it's the awful truth, right? They just had their quarterly earnings, and they realize, and whenever they reported the quarterly earnings, they realized that they made no new money in India with this whole experiment with uh, Jinder Mahal. They didn't. Not at all. And yeah, I mean, I, I, six months of, of strong booking, too. Right, right. Where he's going... Well, he never really went over strong. He did win, like, mostly all of his matches. I think he lost to uh, Cena and he lost to Orton on TV. And as a heel should, he cheated to win every match. That's fine. But they made no new money in India with Jinder Mahal, and it's because there's not a whole lot of money in India. It's kind of a poorer country, and uh, I they're going to be going there in December, and Gender's going to be on that tour. Maybe we'll see him get the title back then. I don't know. But if I'm WWE, you know, you, you stick you know, a actual really good wrestler who can cut promos and actually can sell tickets and AJ Styles, the people really want to come see him. He's a, he's an attraction, and you, you go with him, and you still have Gender on the roster, right? And you can still send Gender to India. Uh, he's not a main event guy. I mean, that's all there is to it. He was a job guy who all of a sudden, when they realized they wanted to make a push in India, they pushed him to the world title, and he sucked at every world title match he had. He didn't have one single good world title match. Nothing that would be considered worthy of a WWE main event. And in fact, in the last pay-per-view, he wasn't even the main event, and he's the world champion. He, was the, he wasn't even the semi-main event. The main event was Kevin Owens and um, Shane McMahon. Shinsuke Nakamura and Jinder Mahal was just somewhere on the card. It didn't even matter. It was like a 10-minute nothing match that nobody cared about. Yeah, and, and honestly, what's really sad about that is I I completely forgot who his last title match was against. I mean, and, and Shinsuke Nakamura, one of my favorite wrestlers, but the match was so bad, so forgettable. Like, I forgot his last title defense, who it was even against, and that's that's not okay for right. for what should be the most prestigious title in all of wrestling. Yeah, and uh, I, I think this open up, opens up a lot more opportunities to have some big main events down the road with AJ Styles. You got AJ versus Orton, which I don't think we've ever seen. Uh, I think they might have had a match on SmackDown a while back, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think they've actually had a um, a main of, or a, a pay per view match. You can get a WWE title match out of them. They could they could really be one of the co main events on the Royal Rumble. Obviously, the Royal Rumble is the match, but you, but you put AJ and Randy Orton on that thing. And that's a huge match. That can main event any pay-per-view in the world. And then you got Shinsuke Nakamura. We got a little bit of a taste of that at Money in the Bank earlier this year. And mm-hmm. the crowd went absolutely nuts. And I, I think that that's a WrestleMania match right there. Give those guys 25 minutes, put it on WrestleMania, have Shinsuke either win the, 
win the Royal Rumble or win the Elimination Chamber in February. I don't know how they're going to do it this year, but you know that they they could actually go that route, and that's a huge match, and we'll actually get to see what Shinsuke Nakamura is capable of. Yeah, hundred percent. You know what? Getting a little sidetracked. I'm glad you mentioned that because I would love the idea of Elimination Chamber being the match that sets up the number one contender for the non-Rumble winning brand. Yeah. Brilliant idea. Um, but yeah, 100%. I'm right there with you. There's so much more intrigue in the title and in SmackDown pay-per-view. Tuesday night, last night was the first time I had watched SmackDown since maybe maybe September. Um, I had completely taken it off my DVR, and I hadn't watched anything of it. But I did. I did because I knew what was going to happen. And from honestly, it was a good match. It was Jinder's best match that I've ever seen him in. Most of the credit goes to AJ Styles. I mean, he well, could do yeah. that with a broomstick. But still, it was a good match, and I was happy with the finish. The crowd went nuts. I don't know how much of that was because they were happy that Jinder was losing or happy that Styles was winning, but the crowd went absolutely nuts for it. Yeah, it was awesome. The whole moment was awesome. Uh, I really, It was a really fun match to watch. And even though I already knew who was going to win, uh, it was okay because I wasn't going to watch that match if... Uh, I already I never planned on watching the match. The only reason I watched the match is because I knew AJ won. Yeah. Honestly. And and there was still a part of me, even like I had already seen the end. I mean, there was clips of the ending on Reddit, on Twitter, all over the place. I had already seen the end. But it was such a good match that there was still a part of me that was like, you know, they did pre record this. Maybe they edited something, maybe something stupid's gonna happen. I mean, it, when Jinder would get a near fall, like it, it just felt weird. When he would kick out on a near fall, it just they did a really good job of still making me feel like Jinder could have won. Yeah. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a great match through and through. And, uh, you know, AJ winning the title makes Survivor Series a much, much more intriguing pay-per-view. I, I don't know what they do with Jinder in the interim. Uh, he doesn't appear to have a slot on Survivor Series, which is fine by me. Uh, lots of rumors online going around that uh gender might have a shoulder injury or uh and i might have perpetuated this a little bit <laughs> that, that uh, he uh, has a wellness violation but he has come out on his instagram and said that uh none of those are true he is not an experiment he doesn't have a wellness violation and he doesn't have an injury he just lost the title uh I mean, which which could lead you to believe that maybe he's getting it back after survivor series i don't know yeah entirely possible um you know, hopefully none of none of the rumors are true. Hopefully he didn't get popped for steroids because that would be a huge black eye after WWE spent all this time promoting him. And hopefully the guy is not hurt. Um, sometimes creative just changes. And that could be the case here that Vince McMahon, he changes his mind all the time. He just looked at it on paper and was like, I don't. I don't like where this is going. It's time to make a change. That happens. Yeah. And uh, I'm thinking that maybe, just maybe, the ticket sales for Survivor Series in Houston are not doing so well. And so they felt like they needed to make a change at the, the main event with uh, Brock versus uh, AJ. And also, it may, leads me to believe that that's probably why John Cena is coming back a little bit earlier than we had originally thought. Uh, originally, he wasn't supposed to be back until December, and then there were some rumors going around that he was going to be the special guest referee for Jinder and Brock Lesnar. Well, announced earlier today on Twitter that John Cena is going to be part of Team SmackDown uh, in, uh, I guess, one of the co-main event slots with uh, SmackDown versus Raw. And I, I love this. I think it's a great idea. I, I, you need John Cena in that spot. I think the as far as star power goes, it was a little lacking 
uh, considering uh, Jason Jordan was <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he replaced Roman Reigns on Monday, and he's going to get that spot. And uh, you know, I I mean, I love the fact that uh, Nakamura, you know, Bobby Roode and Randy Orton are on there, but I think you needed a, a huge superstar to make that match even bigger. And I, uh, John Cena is the guy, so I I love this addition, and I'm really looking forward to this match now. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And right now, um, you know, none of the other guys are John Cena superstar level, but most of those guys are pretty big stars. Jason Jordan's kind of sticking out like a sore thumb. I mean, oh, he's, yeah. he's the most unaccomplished star in that match. But also, a little fun fact, it's kind of weird to think about, but on the SmackDown side, do you know who the youngest wrestler on that team is? Oh, I'm going to say, hold on. It's probably Nakamura. It is not. It is Randy Orton at 37 years old. Oh, wow. So I thought Nakamura was 36. Yeah, I th- he's 38, I believe, 38. Oh, I might Ran- need to fact Ran- check you on that one. I, I've i double-checked it today. Randy Orton is the youngest guy oh. on the SmackDown team. All right, yeah, all right. Um, which is hard to believe. I mean, with some of those guys like Bobby Roode and Nakamura only being on the main roster for a couple months and with how long Randy Orton's been around, I mean, he's what – 14 15 years strong on the main roster at this point yeah um, but it, he's been with the company since he was really young i mean when we yeah. saw him in missouri that time i think he was like 20 years old back in 02 yeah. so yeah and he was the at the time i don't know i don't think this has been changed yet but at the time the youngest wwe champion of all time at what 24 something that like right? that yeah yeah um so it's just interesting to see it it may have been a good spot for smackdown to put in a, a younger star to try to get that rub because I, I think Jason Jordan will benefit from being in the match, but also SmackDown doesn't really have a young star that they could throw in there um, outside of, you know, Baron maybe, but he's going to be, you know, he's going to be off doing other things. So kind, kind of disappointing not to see a younger star be able to get in there to get a rub because that SmackDown team's really old. And I mean, you know, Nakamura yeah. has a ways to, to benefit, but well, they're, they're really old, but they can all go. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's okay. They, I mean, you know, it, if uh, Cena didn't get out of that team, it was going to be AJ Styles, and he's 40. And yeah. we're not really looking at him as being like an old star. Guys are aging a lot better than they used to because they're not doing drugs all the time. Right. They're not partying like crazy yeah. maniacs like they used to, which we'll get into uh, with the Ric Flair thing. But yeah, uh, yeah, uh, I, I have no issue with it whatsoever. I, I think if there's a younger star out there that is, uh, you know, if they want the spot, they got to work hard to get it. These older guys are still kicking ass, man. I, I'm a big fan of every guy except for Jason Jordan in this match. So, <laughs> I, I feel like Jason Jordan's got to have some crazy storyline thing happen uh, at Survivor Series because if if not, then having him in there is just really admitting that hey, we had no one else. We we had no one else that we trusted, right? Um, because he he's not a star and he's going to be in a ring full of stars. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he does really stick out. But, uh, you know, is this going to be an elimination match or is it just a one fall to a finish? No, it's a traditional, I, I guess, traditional Survivor Series elimination match. Oh, okay. Um, so the all the, the multi-man and multi-woman matches will be elimination matches. It's the way they've done it the last few years, I believe. Uh, okay, well, yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, that's the way Survivor Series is always meant to be. So I was getting kind of worried uh, <laughs> that it might be yeah. a, a one fall, and I was like, well, if it's a one fall match, then I I guess that means uh, Jason Jordan's probably taking that one fall. So <laughs> yeah, I I think they uh, they started doing the elimination match back in uh, 2014. Well, we start, they started redoing it 
um, back in 2014 or 2015, uh, the year Sting debuted in WWE. Because remember, they had Dolph Ziggler be the last man um, to like three guys on Team Triple H. And uh, Dolph Ziggler eliminated all three with the eventual help from Sting. I think once they started doing that and it got a good reaction, they decided to continue keeping it. Well, I, I'm a big fan of the tra- the traditional Survivor Series matches. Uh, you know, Survivor Series is always one of my favorites as a kid. I, I happen to like the, the team concept. I think that's really cool. So, uh, yeah. sp- And uh, another match added to um, Survivor Series, which you alluded to earlier, is... Uh, well, not officially added. I think we'll find out on Monday, but it looks like it's going to be the Shield versus uh, the New Day, and uh, that's just one that was just started talking about on Monday. Uh, for the, uh, I think everybody thought that Roman Reigns was going to be in the main event in the Raw versus SmackDown match, but you know, I, I think what they're doing here is they're actually kind of doing a make good for the fact that we didn't get to see the Shield reunion last month. So uh, I think this is really cool and. I don't think we've ever seen the Shield versus the New Day. The Shield was broken up by the time the New Day started. So why not give us this? I think it's really cool, and I think the Shield beats the fuck out of them. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the New Day are a team who's been proven that they can take a loss and survive it. I mean, they lost to um, was it uh, the League of Nations back at WrestleMania thirty-one or thirty-two? Um, was that Barrett, Sheamus, Cesaro, and, and uh, uh, El, some oh asshole Del Rio? Yeah, um, I mean, a team that was just a complete joke, but those guys beat the New Day in the middle of their humongous tag title reign, and the New Day didn't suffer from it at all. So putting them against the Shield, it'll probably be an amazing match. Uh, could be a match of the year contender because they're all fantastic wrestlers. And if you have the Shield go over, which I think is the right choice, the New Day doesn't suffer at all. I mean, they have been proven to not be able to not be affected too big by a single loss. Yeah, they're very resilient. They're a great tag team, and uh, I think it's going to be a good match. And I think the shield goes over, and I don't see any problem with that. So, uh, right. So last night on ESPN, uh, I think it's their first ever like full fledged wrestling documentary. They had a uh, thirty for thirty short uh, years ago with the Von Erichs, but it was like a seven minute documentary, and it was really good. I thought. Um, but last night was the debut of Ric Flair thirty for thirty. And I got a chance to watch all of it. And Joe, did you get a chance to see all of it? Yeah, I've actually finished it today. And, uh, you know, I, I got to say, I loved it. I thought it was great. And uh, I thought they did a really good job. And it could have been like a 10-hour documentary. Easily. I mean, um, that was one of the things we were talking about today is I just wish it was a little bit longer. I think it officially clocked in at like an hour and 18 or an hour and 22 minutes, uh, something like that. But, man, it, it gets pretty heavy when he starts talking about Reed uh, towards the back end of that. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty sad. And, and honestly, man, Ric Flair does not come off well in this thing. No, no, <laughs> not at all. So, uh, like, you know, I, I'm he was my childhood favorite wrestler, and everybody knows that. I still have a Ric Flair shirt to this day. I have, like, a, a Ric Flair toy, and, <laughs> like, my wife got, made You got that badass painting yeah, of uh, Ric Flair? Yeah, my wife made a painting for me for... Um, my birthday a couple years ago and i still have that to this day and uh watching that with my wife she's like why do you like this guy (laughs) it's kind of like he you know he he hurts everybody in his path you know and i'm like well he didn't do that on tv (laughs) (laughs) like like, i like the guy i saw on tv obviously you know he wasn't a good good job he wasn't a good dad or a good husband I, i wasn't you know i didn't know none of that when i was a kid you know 
Yeah, they did a good job of uh, really telling the separate stories. Like when you hear Hogan talking about Ric Flair, it's, you know, Ric Flair's the greatest wrestler of all time. Like, you know, I, I'm not even in his league. Like Hogan really put him over. Um, other wrestlers just talking about how amazing he was. So you got, you got to really see why everybody loved him. And then you move over to like his family. Um, you know, I think David is his oldest, just talking about how Rick was never there. Um, his his older daughter, I you know, forgive me, I can't think of her name, but just mentioning uh, how Megan, me, yeah, um, how he would always tell her, "Hey, I'm going to come to your game this Friday," and then never showed up. Yeah, um, you know, some of that just like really heartbreaking stuff. And Rick admits it towards the end. He's like, "I wasn't a good father." Like, yeah, you know, I, I can't deny that. And it wouldn't be so bad. It, it just kind of seemed like he was joking about how bad of a husband and how bad of a father he was. Now they so they did two separate long interviews. And the most recent one, he seemed to be more, like, sad about that. But in the first one, yeah. he, he was just kind of like, he would openly joke about cheating on his wife and, you know, not being there for his kids and stuff like that. And I'm just like, that's just gross, dude. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I well, agree with David. You can be the most popular guy in the world and still be a good dad and a good, you know, a good husband. Yeah, well, you know, part of that, because really getting to see Ric Flair's personality. I, I don't know if he was really joking if that so much is just like a defense mechanism for the way he handles shitty things. You know, sometimes you just talk about shitty things in your life and you laugh it off to cope with it. Yeah. Um, which, I, I guess maybe that could be it. Yeah. I didn't think of it like that. I mean, I mean, cause honestly, you know, not to get too deep, but like think of the way our family is, you know, growing up, you know, we never seen our family really sad a lot, but they're always laughing, but clearly there was some issues. Um, I've seen a lot of that in the Ric Flair 30 for 30, uh, a lot of stuff that really hit close to home. Yeah, and uh, you know, all this stuff was filmed before his uh, health scare, and it seems like he's really turned his life around in the you know since he almost died. Sometimes that's what it takes for people, though. Yeah. Sometimes they yeah. have to lose everything. And then some folks, even when they lose everything, it's still not enough. So Yeah, and hopefully that this is enough. And, you know, I've seen somebody really trashing Triple H on uh, – on Twitter, the, it was either this morning or last night, saying Triple H is just an attention hog and there is no reason for him to be in it. Triple H may have fucking saved Ric Flair's life. Yeah, um, and, and he was in that because they asked him to be in it. So Yeah, yeah, he, he didn't seek that position out. Like, Triple H, on maybe a multiple occasions, may be the reason Ric Flair is still alive today. And People really need to recognize that and separate Triple H from you know the character to the person he actually is and paul levesque is a damn good guy who does a lot for the people around him and he might be the only reason rick flair is still alive today not just rick flair x Pac, scott hall yeah. you know there's a lot of guys uh sean michaels there's a lot of guys that had all those issues that he was there for so uh everybody needs to lay off of a uh, triple h on this deal i i think he handled the situation perfectly yeah and you know he just the the passion he spoke with when he said you know i i called him on the phone and you know you're it's either you're going to do what i'm telling you to do or i'm going to come there and make you do what i tell you to do and like that's when he forced rick to go to rehab shortly after i think it was a year or so maybe after uh, reed had passed away and yeah. you could just see the emotion in him retelling that story so yeah, well, it's a good thing he did that, and then uh, of course, as you know, a lot of times when folks go to rehab, uh, you know, not to get too personal, I know this personally, <laughs> but uh, it it doesn't quite work out the first time, and you you got to do a little bit more research, and it sounds like uh, Flair had to do more research in his drinking, and is uh, carrying on, but uh, you know, hopefully with this latest health scare, 
uh, he was able to turn it around. So you never know, man. Uh, he, if he doesn't stop, he's going to die, and it's going to be yeah. sooner rather than later. So hopefully he understands that, and and hopefully he's good to his uh, fiance Wendy. She seems like a nice lady, so she seems she seems like he take she takes good care of uh, care of the nature boy who's probably pretty hard to handle. So you know, good uh, good for them, and uh, I wish all the best for Ric Flair and uh, the family. And uh, I thought it was a really good documentary, filmed very well. That guy Roy Karf is a he's a great filmmaker, and I look forward to some of his documentaries in the future. Yeah, and you know, it, it really made me think because just about all of the 30 for 30s have been fantastic. I mean, I couldn't probably pick one out that was bad, but on the wrestling side, I, I really hope they do more wrestling. What's another wrestling one you would like to see that you think it might actually get made? Well, uh, Bill Simmons, who was uh, formerly of ESPN, he's now with HBO, and he's doing the Andre the Giant one, which I yeah. think is going to be fantastic. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, I, I think you could do a Hulk Hogan one. Um, WWE has done a couple of Hulk Hogan ones, but I, I think that if you get it outside of the WWE bubble um, and have an outsider do it, you could probably get pretty close to the truth with Hulk Hogan. Um, I, yeah. I, I think that would be fascinating. Uh, Bruno Sammartino would be great. Uh, you know, for so for for me, a guy that I've been getting really interested in in the last couple of years has been Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. Uh, who was obviously like way before any of our time, but uh, I, I've, you know, I had a chance to read a lot about Buddy Rogers, and I'm like, man, that would be really interesting. Um, and Gorgeous George, uh, he's the guy that uh, you know influenced Muhammad Ali, and Muhammad Ali stole a lot of his shtick. And I yeah. have a book about Gorgeous George that I still haven't finished yet. I'm just, uh, yeah. I, I don't really read a whole lot. To <laughs> anything over <laughs> 140 characters, I get confused. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you think it's maybe? Because my, my first thought was The Rock, obviously, because of kind of his story in the mid-90s. Do you think maybe his story has just been told too much or has been too popular uh, his, that his it story, would really serve a purpose? His story is still going. Yeah, you know, true. I, you know, Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair, they're, they're done. They're at the end of their careers, right? And so a lot of times you want to tell the story once it's been – once it's over, you know. So I, that that's just my opinion. The Rock is still young, and he's still going to come back and do wrestling every now and then. And he's making all these movies, so um, – you know, maybe not. You know, Stone Cold. You know, I, I think yeah. that would be that would be pretty interesting. But, um, you know, I I got a chance to watch all of the Stone Cold stuff, and then there's there's already a lot of documentaries about him. He wrote a book and all these things. So, um, I'm kind of like a I don't know. Maybe I'm just more interested in guys I don't know a whole lot about. Yeah. What about Bruiser Brody? I mean, oh yeah. That, so that, I, that's got to be an easy one. Oh yeah, that's I'd love that man. That whole story about him getting killed in Puerto Rico, I'm just so fucking fascinated by that. Uh, I sent you The Observer, right? Yeah. That had that? Yeah. yeah. And then um, there's a documentary on high spots, and uh, they did a pretty good job, but I think if you actually throw some money behind a real documentary about Bruiser Brody, that guy is so freaking fascinating. Yeah, uh, 100%. I feel like, you know, there's... I really hope ESPN picks up on more um, because there's some really great stories that could be told out there. And like I said, on all of their 30 for 30s, they, they've done a pretty fantastic job. And it's nice to see these stories be told outside of the WWE bubble. That way you don't have to try to separate what is fact and, you know, what is fiction, what is just WWE over exaggerating or, you know, only showing the, the good side of things, which they tend to do. Yeah, and which I'm okay with. Honestly, like I love the the documentary, but I like knowing all the good things about Ric Flair. I don't want to know, you know, maybe right. I didn't want to know about all those bad things because I'm like, you know, such a huge fan and admirer of his. 
of his professional life, but his yeah. personal life. You, you you take a look at the pain that his kid his kids are going through, and his ex his poor ex wife. You yeah. know, and what a sport she was, his first wife. Uh, I, yeah. you know, it was really nice of her to be on that thing, but she was very honest. And uh, and then I think Ric Flair tweeted out a picture of his first wife with uh, his current fiance, kind of together at the theater watching the the thing. And I'm like, wow, you yeah, know? <laughs> like how awkward is that? But you know, she seems to be a saint, so good for her. So, um, yeah, yeah, but you know, I I think it's important for documentaries to be completely objective, and WWE tends to control the narrative of their version of history so it was really cool to get a guy outside of that version of history to kind of tell the more raw emotional story of a guy that we all admired so much yeah and you know as as a wrestling fan it was really cool and this may be the biggest most i guess wide watched interview that undertaker has done out of character Dude. Um, that that was that was cool to see. Yeah, it was cool to see, and not only that, like Rory Carp, who was on a JR's podcast last week, uh, said that uh, Undertaker made them all coffee and brought everybody snacks during the whole thing. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> that it's just so crazy because like the Undertaker was got me. He's what got me hooked into wrestling. I mean, he's the first character I remember seeing. So seeing the Dead Man, the guy who you know would come out with druids and. Um, used to do like human sacrifices on Monday Night Raw, um, you know, hearing about him making coffee and snacks for for everybody. <laughs> like it's just it's totally weird to see, but it was really cool to see that side of of Taker and and be a part of that. Yeah, it's so funny. It kind of ruins your childhood, uh, right? <laughs> uh, CM Punk used to tell a story about um, one time he was texting back and forth with the undertaker and undertaker sent him a text back that just said lol and he goes oh. he goes just a, a big piece of my childhood died in that very moment oh man <laughs> the, yeah, that's heart crushing right the undertaker says lol you know yeah he probably doesn't even know what it means either just like right you know like someone young that he knows sent him that one time and he just copy and pasted it yeah <laughs> all right uh so we got a little bit we got some more fallout from the jericho omega um story and we, we did a full breaking news audio on that on Sunday, so be sure to check that out on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Um, and there's not really a whole lot of information that's coming out, but it, you know, it appears that Jericho had been uh, negotiating with New Japan since August. Um, he's completely free of a WWE contract, but he, he brought up the idea to, uh, to Don Callis, who then brought it up to Kenny Omega, who then brought it up to Gato, and then they all started talking since August. And uh, it really kind of culminated in the last couple of weeks and negotiations were going strong and um he he didn't really elaborate if this was going to be a one-time deal nor would i expect him to um he just said that it's something that he's always wanted to do and kenny omega is the best in the world and he wants to see what he's got so he's doing this huge match so um so all the news going around that you know vince mcmahon needed something or vince mcmahon needed to sign off on it or blah 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 well it turns out none of that is true and we've said as much on sunday turns out just jericho's a free agent and he wanted to do something huge and uh this is what he's doing and it's going to be a huge match yeah 100 percent. and honestly you know looking at that side of things if jericho said it was a one-off match if he did come out and say that i still wouldn't believe him i mean you don't believe anything that chris no. jericho says because he loves the element of surprise he loves to keep people guessing he's the biggest troll in wrestling um, yeah. so i i wouldn't believe him if he said one way or another but I mean, and some, like you said, fallout of it. I really think that this match, like Jericho versus Omega, led to. I, I don't know if we had it on our notes. I, I think we did, but another match happening for Wrestle Kingdom 
for Cody Rhodes because I think if Jericho's not on that match, we see a different Cody Rhodes match at Wrestle Kingdom as well. Yeah, yeah, we were going to talk about this later, but we can bring it up now. Yeah, uh, just announced on uh, Sunday after we got done recording, it was announced that Cody is going to be taking on Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom 12. And uh, that's an awesome match. It's going to be for the Ring of Honor title. Uh, so they have, uh, they got Cody versus Ibushi, Jericho versus Omega, uh, Tanahashi versus Jay White, and Okada versus Naito. That's a fucking stacked card right there. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, you know, Fallout, if Jericho doesn't, you know, make this agreement to wrestle Omega, I really think we see Ibushi versus Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. Well, and I was I, lo- I, think- I was looking forward to that, though. Those guys tear yeah. it down. Yeah, and, and now, like, honestly, if you're New Japan, you can just save that for another time. Um, heck, maybe save it for Wrestle Kingdom, you know, in 2019 if you want to. I mean, they've been very good at long-term storytelling and not overdoing or overrushing matches. So, you know, they always have that in their back pocket if they need it. But now we get to see, you know, it's one man helping make two fantastic matches because if Chris Jericho doesn't come, we probably see Cody Rhodes versus somebody else. And we get Ibushi versus Omega, which would have been awesome. But now we're getting to see Rhodes versus Ibushi, which should be fantastic. Ibushi can carry a majority of that match. And we get to see Jericho versus Omega, which should be fantastic. I mean, Jericho's shown, even at at this late in his career, he's still as good as just about anybody in the world. Oh, yeah. I am have high expectations for this match. And I have high expectations for what this is going to do for New Japan's expansion into the U.S. Um I've been making the argument to a bunch of assholes online that this <laughs> could potentially be the biggest match in New Japan history. And, you know, and all the nerds like, this is absolutely an outrage. <laughs> you know, back in 1967, Ricky Dozan and blah, blah. I was like, okay, calm the fuck down. All right. Uh, they were not trying to come into the U.S. or Europe at the time. They happen to be now. U.S., Canada, and all of Europe is bigger than Japan. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of fucking people in those markets, okay? And New Japan never tried to get in. Well, they never really made a, a huge push to get into those markets before. They tried last year, and what did they what did they do? They brought you Billy Gunn, okay? It didn't quite work out. Uh, they they had two successful shows, but that Billy Gunn match sucked. So uh, now we're gonna see. Chris Jericho, and this could open the doors for a lot of other big name WWE talents out there that want to get out of their contracts. <laughs> Daniel Bryan, you know, <laughs> and some other guys, they can, you know, they can use New Japan as either a leverage against the WWE for a better deal, or B, they can just go to New Japan, right? So now there's a second brand out there that is becoming worldwide, and everybody's saying, "Well, New Japan's always been worldwide." Well, no, it hasn't. They just literally. Two years ago, finally got English announcers. Okay, they just finally got an Access TV show uh, in the U.S. where it's just kind of like replays of older matches, right? So they're just you know taking baby steps, and that's how you do it. You take baby steps. They had one um, one event in the U.S. on the U.S. soil last year, and now they've already announced one for March. Which, Joe, breaking news! I think I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna be down in uh, Lompoc. It's a you know a couple hours away, but uh, yeah, I, I I think I'm getting tickets, man. I haven't ran it right by on. the I haven't ran it by the wife yet, but we'll see. <laughs> it's it's close to my birthday, so I can use that as kind of like, hey, you know, it's my birthday. There you go, perfect leverage. Yeah, so I I I really do think that this could end up being you know one of the biggest things to happen in New Japan ever. 
Yeah, and like you said, the American expansion, like the the business expansion of New Japan, I've seen a lot of people, and keep, yeah, I get it, it's just Twitter, but I've been seeing a lot of people on Twitter and, and on Reddit who had said, you know, hey, I'm an American fan, I've only watched WWE, because, you know, there's a, a lot of those people out there who just don't have time to take another wrestling, but now that one of their favorites, Chris Jericho, is going to be on the card, people are starting to take notice. And that's what one guy can do for business. You know, I'm not saying Chris Jericho is the biggest star in the world, but he's a guy that a lot of people have grown up with or have watched for 15 or 20 years. I mean, the guy was in ECW, WCW, WWE, three of the biggest wrestling promotions of all time. He's got a large fan base. And heck, maybe even his Fozzie fan base will have some intrigue in what what is Chris Jericho doing right now. If you get even just a small percentage of those people who have never watched New Japan to come over, it's a huge success. Well, yeah. And, you know, somebody made the argument, well, Angle, Kurt Angle, and Brock Lesnar were both in New Japan, and they're bigger stars than Chris Jericho. Okay, I'll argue that Jericho is a bigger star than Kurt Angle. I, I will make that argument. However, uh, Brock Lesnar is a bigger star than Chris Jericho. That is true. But when Lesnar was going over there, you could only see it in Japan. You couldn't yeah. see it in the U.S. They had no U.S. expansion. They are getting that now. Now, if Brock Lesnar right now were to jump to New Japan, then absolutely it'd be way fucking bigger than Jericho. But that's not what's happening. That's not happening right now. He went over there in 2005. He did a couple of matches that only people in Japan could see. And then tape traders, of course. Uh, that, you know, right now... New Japan has an American TV show. They got American TV. They're holding events in the States. They're you know, going into Canada. They're going into Europe. They actually have that promotion Rev Pro there that they're doing the Global Wars tour with. You know, And a guy like Jericho, I'm not saying that he's going to be on that tour or nothing like that, but I'm saying that this could be the beginning of, of you know, getting their name out there and expanding into those markets with a guy like Jericho kind of you know, on their TV. You know what I mean? Yeah, and one thing to... To look at differently from when Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle did it compared to Jericho doing it now. Yeah, there was the internet back then, but it wasn't quite as popular. And there wasn't a site like Twitter or Facebook or Reddit where you were getting just millions of extra advertising because the the entire intrigue of this match was built up over a week or two of Jericho and Omega going after each other on Twitter. I mean, that that adds so much more to it than when Brock Lesnar went over there, what was it, 10, 15 years ago? Uh, 2005, so 12 years ago. Yeah. 12 years ago. Yep. I was so, there. I, you know, yeah. I, I told that story a couple times, but yeah, I was there. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's entirely different. It's it's bigger now because of the, the things that are available now and what's trying to be done now. Because, I mean, had you not been in Japan at the time, I would have had no idea that Brock Lesnar was wrestling outside of WWE. I mean, I didn't know what New Japan was, and I've, I've watched wrestling since I was like five years old. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch my first New Japan match until this year. I mean, Kenny Omega versus Okada was the first New Japan match I had ever watched. Wow. So, I mean, that that's really what's becoming important is the American expansion, and Chris Jericho is going to be huge for that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, uh, we got uh, some UFC notes here. Uh, Darren Till... He's the guy that uh, knocked the fuck out of uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. <laughs> he actually challenged Wonderboy after Wonderboy uh, beat Jorge Masvidal over the weekend. And uh, challenge accepted, apparently. Uh, Dana White says it's going to be held in uh, February 24th in England. Uh, 
they have not announced the city yet, but uh, one could expect maybe Liverpool might be that city. So they're actually taking the event from Orlando. They actually had the date and everything um, set for Orlando. They're actually going to take it, move it to England, and then put Darren Till versus Wonderboy um, as the main event. So I really like that fight. You Have you had a chance to see Darren Till yet knock out Cowboy Cerrone? I I seen just the picture that you had posted of Cerrone's face. His nose just smashed in. You're going to want to look up some Darren Till highlights. Guy is a beast. He's going to be a, a big star in that welterweight division. So Definitely, yeah. No, like I said, um, after this past weekend, I'm, I'm getting my itch back for, for MMA and UFC. Uh, so definitely a guy I have to look up because I've been out of it for a while, man. I, I've only watched the Conor McGregor fights for the last two years. You know, I, I've been one of those people. Uh, but I rediscovered my love for you know grown men and women beating on each other this past weekend. So I'm definitely going to have to get back into that. Well, uh, you're in luck because uh, this Friday night on, uh, I think it's FS1, uh, November 11th, this Friday night, F- Fox Sports 1, uh, UFC uh, Tribute to the Troops, I guess, is what they're calling it. What are they calling it now? Uh, um, I don't know. They're, they're, yeah, they're doing a thing on uh, Norfolk, uh, Norfolk uh, Navy Base. Uh, yeah. That's where I was at before I shipped off to Afghanistan both times. So got a lot of love for Norfolk, Virginia. But, um, yeah, it's going to be in the convention center in Norfolk, Virginia. And the main event is going to be uh, Dustin the Diamond Poirier versus uh, Anthony Pettis. And I am really looking forward to that fight. Uh, so, if Joe, if you're trying to get back into MMA, I would say you need to watch that fight. Yeah, dude, um, Pettis, hopefully he's starting to regain his form. Uh, the first, and honestly, probably a lot of people's first experience with him was the Benson Henderson fight when he had jumped off the cage and kicked Benson Henderson in the head. Uh, coming into the UFC after that, I thought he was going to be one of the biggest stars of all time. I mean, the yeah. guy just, he had everything you could want. He was quick. He had good wrestling. I mean, he was a great striker. Kind of fell, kind of fell off the boat for a while. He he's had a few losses, so hopefully he's starting to regain his form. I'm really yeah. looking forward to that fight. Yeah, I, I would like to see Pettis take that one, but I, I really don't have a pick in that one. And then on the undercard, I just kind of run down the matches. Uh, Matt the Immortal Brown, he's in his retirement match. He's taking on Diego Nightmare Sanchez. That match is going to be a fucking war. Um, both of those guys are going to have Parkinson's disease in like 20 years because they've taken so much head trauma. So <laughs> I think uh, everybody should uh, check that fight out. Uh, you got Junior Albini versus Andre Arlovsky. I didn't know Andre still fought. And I, I watched, did not either. I watched most UFCs. I thought after his last knockout loss, he was gone. But nope, uh, there, there he's another CTE <laughs> candidate. So uh, yeah. I, I fully, I've never heard of Junior Albini. I'm going to pick Junior Albini because uh, yep. uh, Andre gets punched in that chin and he's out. So there you go. Uh, you got Cesar Ferreira versus uh, Nate Marquardt. Um, yep, Nate Marquardt's still around. There you go. Uh, Rafael Asuncao versus Matthew Lopez. You got uh, Clay Guida versus Joe Lozon. Now this is going to be a fucking fight. These guys are Holy awesome. Shit. Yeah, man. Uh, have they fought before? Never. This is their first time Never? fighting. Okay. Yeah. Man, wow. I didn't realize either of those guys were still fighting. Yeah, so that's that's going to be awesome. So, like, the main event, and then you got Matt Brown versus Diego Sanchez, and then Joe Lozon versus Clay Guida. I mean, those are three fucking crazy fights right there on one card. And then you go to the prelims. You got John Dodson versus Marlon Marias um, at 135 pounds. Those guys are both badasses, uh, really exciting fighters. You got uh, Vivian Pereira versus uh, Tatiana Suarez. Uh, bleep, bleep. All right, uh, Sage Norcutt versus Michael Quinones. Uh, Nina Ansarov versus Angela Hill. Angela Hill is a pretty good fighter. Uh, you got Court McGee from The Ultimate Fighter taking on uh, Sean Strickland. Jake Collier versus uh, Marcel Fortuna. And Carl Robertson versus Darren Stewart. So uh, up and down going to be a great card. I'm really looking forward to that. I Hopefully, 
I'll be back and I'll get to get a chance to watch that. So that's going to be a, a really fun card. <clears throat> oh, excuse me one second. I got to take a drink of water. Joe, what do you think about the card? Yeah, no, really looking forward to it. And like I said, Anthony Pettis has been historically a really exciting fighter. Um, I've seen some really great fights with Dustin Poirier. Really looking forward to that one. And Fox Sports ones. I don't know if it's maybe just something about being in front of more people. Um, you know, maybe some of these guys and some of these women's first shot at a big event, but they really the free cards seem to deliver a little bit more. I mean, those, those fighters really go out a little all out a little extra. Um, so I really looking forward to this one. I'd, I'd probably recommend it to anybody. Absolutely. All right. Now it's time for some impact wrestling talk. All right, Do we bet. have to? <laughs> oh, that's that's, that's going to be our weekly segment. It's time for impact wrestling talk. All right. We may have to like rename it every week though. Right. Okay. So here's our impact wrestling talk. Do you ready? Bound for glory sucked. And they are paying fans to attend the tapings now and also to help with the ring crew. And that's been Impact Wrestling Talk. Okay, next. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into some quick hits. Uh, We're already running out of time. So uh, UK Division meets 205 Live. Uh, Yeah, Pete Dunn uh, came in and he beat Enzo More. And then on uh, 205 Live, uh, Tyler Bate ends up losing to Enzo More. (laughs) And I thought that was hilarious because I knew a lot of... uh, a lot of snowflakes out there, you damn liberals, uh, would uh, get all up in arms over that. Yeah, no, but it was really cool to see. I mean, uh, seeing Pete Dunn on Raw was it was just absolutely awesome. Hopefully, I mean, it wasn't a great match. It's hard to do that with Enzo Amore, but hopefully people got a little taste of what the future's like for WWE because I, I truly believe Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn are the future of WWE. I think uh, Dunn is maybe 23, Tyler Bate's 21. Yeah. Uh, so those guys have a long career ahead of them. Yeah, Austin Aries is on Talk Us Jericho today. That's Chris Jericho's podcast, and uh, it turns out he didn't ask for his release. He was fired. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. We'd reported yeah, at the he- time that it was probably because he's a pain in the ass, and he won't say why he got fired. He said that they didn't have any creative for him. That's code for you're a pain in the ass. Yep, a hundred percent. But he, a lot of people were expecting him to come out and just blast WWE. Um, he he took the high road. Uh, good for him. He he didn't really put him on blast and. Um, it did it did also come out that I didn't know this, but Austin Aries tried out for Tough Enough um, a couple yeah. of years ago. The year Big Andy had actually won it, and yeah. How, he was how's going Andy to doing? How's Andy doing yeah. in WWE these days? Yeah, he's. Uh, I'm I'm sure he is still you know living in a one bedroom apartment somewhere, uh, probably not wrestling anymore because I think he got fired from developmental. He never <laughs> even made it to NXT. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and Austin Aries couldn't even crack the top ten that year. Right. Um, so that that just really shows you, you know, what tough enough was viewed as, or what they were looking for in tough enough guys. Because Austin, like, a he should have never had to have gone through tough enough. Like that's ridiculous. And B, if he is trying out for tough enough, he should have won it. Clearly, he's the best wrestler of that group. Because I couldn't name a single single person aside from Big Andy, um, who was the winner and never even had a match. Right. Uh, Jay Uso su- possibly suffered a knee injury, so we hope he's okay. He's got a match against uh, him and his brother. Got a match against uh, I guess it's the Bar now, right? At Survivor yeah. Series. So let's hope. Yeah, he's they, okay. they did that change up. Um, I I did watch the match. I feel like it was work. Um, you know, we had kind of people were talking about it before it aired in the states. Um, Gable took a, a cheap shot at his knee. He did kind of a Ric Flair tackle on the outside to his knee, and I think Jay. Uh, made it look like he was hurt. They did a cheap count out. That way they wouldn't have to change hands. Um, haven't really seen anything come out about it. I think it's a work. Sin Cara had an injury scare, but he's cleared. So there you go. Good for him. 
Uh, yeah, did you see the picture of that, by the way? I did. I, I was, tweeted out, yeah, man, it, it, it looked brutal. Yeah, but good thing he's okay. Uh, yeah. Pierce Morgan and Corey Graves are in a Twitter fight. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess on uh, Raw, uh, Pierce Morgan referred to uh, other than uh, – or uh, Corey Graves referred to Enzo More as other than Pierce Morgan, the most hated man in England. And I guess Pierce was watching and uh, took exception and said that you're a failed wrestler who couldn't make it and now you're a crappy commentator. Which uh, I he is not a crappy commentator. He is a good commentator. But yeah, he couldn't make it in wrestling. So now he's a commentator. Uh, I, I wouldn't say couldn't make it. He was forced to retire due to concussions. Yeah. So. Well, he has a weak brain. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was that was kind of entertaining to watch them go back and forth. Uh, Morgan kind of owned him in the end though, because uh, Graves said, "Oh, well, welcome to relevancy." And then Pierce goes, "I have five point six more million followers than you are than you do." He goes, "Basically, I'm John Cena, and you're Heath." later i thought that was pretty good so yeah pierce i wonder Morgan. if somebody wrote that joke for him because there's no way pierce morgan knows who he slater is man he's been on tv well he, he might be a wrestling fan who knows he's i mean he gets a lot of his shtick you would think from wrestling and he's a yeah. he's a trump supporter who hates guns which is kind of weird um yeah but uh yeah you know he seems like to he's just kind of like a you know a wrestling manager maybe he's trying to get a, a deal with wwe who knows maybe yeah, uh, Rockstar Spud is signed with WWE. Expect him on 205 Live uh, in the near future. Just waiting on his work visa. Uh, that should go nowhere. All right, uh, Matt Morgan <laughs> wins uh, Longwood City uh, Commissioner in Florida. Uh, another reason why I'm never moving to fucking Florida. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I was really looking forward uh, to see if there was any results from from uh, Kane and his mayoral run, but I, I didn't find anything and just found a former WWE superstar, Matt Morgan, won political office. So uh, well, there you that, go. That should be scary. Yeah, I don't know what a city commissioner does, but all right. Um, Puff Daddy, a.k.a. Diddy, a.k.a. Sean Combs, a.k.a. Puffy, a.k.a. Douchebag. He uh, changed his name to Brother Love. But turns out there's already a brother love out there, and he's from Pro Wrestling, and he's one of my favorite podcasts out there, Bruce Pritchard. And uh, the wrestling uh, Twitter went apeshit on him, and now he's not changed his name to Brother Love. So there you go. Uh, wrestling fans win again. And actually, um, Bruce Pritchard got a lot of publicity, so you know he's happy. I, I saw on Twitter this morning that fucking Bruce Pritchard is on Hot 97, the rap station in New York, talking about this feud with uh, Buff Daddy. So <laughs> good, good for Bruce, man. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, bought one, I bought one of his T-shirts, and he called me, and me and him talked for like five minutes. It was kind of fun. Right on. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, on this day in history, Eddie Guerrero wrestled his last TV match. Man, I loved Eddie Guerrero. He was one of my favorites. I was a big fan of his when he was in WCW, and then he came into WWE. And uh, I was super excited when he won the world title. And two nights after he won the world title in San Francisco, I was in Fresno for the Eddie Guerrero uh, title um, celebration, me and Matt Trista over there. And it was one of my favorite memories, one of my favorite events I've ever been to, man. Rest in peace, Eddie. He was great. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you know, growing up, Eddie Guerrero was always one of the funnest guys to watch. Uh, my my favorite Eddie Guerrero moment is really just the entire feud, and I'm sure people could pick out you know much better ones than this. But the Rey Mysterio feud, where they were fighting over custody of Rey Mysterio's son, that was so and awesome. And the uh, the I'm your poppy T-shirts, like that is just classic Eddie Guerrero. And uh, you know, sent out the GIF of of Guerrero's final match and just it was him versus uh Mr. Kennedy, Ken Anderson, Ken Kennedy, you know, whatever you know him as. You know, Eddie Guerrero doing the classic, slamming the chair down, throwing it to Ken Kennedy and then falling down and letting the ref 
you know, think that Kennedy had hit him with it. That's something you see a few wrestlers using every now and then, and it's always an ode to one of the greatest of all time. Absolutely, man. I love Eddie Guerrero. All right. And, uh, hey, Paul Harvey, what do you got for us next? Now, the rest of the story. All right. Hey, thank you, Paul. I really appreciate that. You taking time out of your busy uh, d- days in hell to do that for us. <laughs> it's very cool of you. The legendary Paul Harvey, everybody. Yes, and now the rest of the story. So uh, this segment, we're going to try to change it up a little bit each week. But, um, uh, Joe, we found a pretty unique and pretty weird article. Uh, actually, you found it. What you want to tell us about it? Yeah, you know, it's uh, some CIA files have been getting released by the CIA. These are not like government leaks or anything like that but something uh, kind of interesting i guess ha- has come out about what was found in osama bin laden's compound um you know when when seal team six went and took him out and kind of pe- it's easy to forget that one of the most evil men in human history was just in fact a a man um, they had found some just like movies and comics that osama had been collecting over the years um, some inner like because the guy was obviously locked up all the time. He wasn't out in public. Um, he had to find a way to entertain himself, and he had like ants and uh, cars, Chicken Little, and some like nine eleven documentaries uh, stashed up. He had a bunch of anime, uh, which just you know really really strange to kind of see that side of one of the most evil men in human history. Yeah, it's weird to think of him as a human being, right? <laughs> but yeah. yeah, he had he had cart like it's so weird to think of like the most evil and hated man in the history of the world. Well, probably him and Hitler, right? Yeah, and that he's just kind of like sitting in this little cell watching you know children's cartoons. Yeah, it's yeah, I mean, fucking crazy. And then he's yeah, like, and, and then the son of a bitch watching Loose Change, the nine eleven documentary, <laughs> basically saying that's the documentary that was saying that, you know, it was an inside job and George Bush covered it up and all this, you know, horseshit. But yeah, it's kind of funny that he's watching that too. Yeah, and I mean those cartoons that he had, like Ants, um, I think is a, a Pixar uh, movie if i'm not mistaken but like you know chicken little cars like those are movies that i grew up with as a kid so uh really really strange to you know see that as a part of his movie collection i think they had a dragon ball z also like on dvd and a, a whole bunch of pirated movies and tv shows also uh so osama just all around you know a, a complete piece of shit not paying for anything right you know i wonder if me and him used the same sites to download our shit probably i mean i <laughs> I mean, going back that far, uh, I would say he probably used, like, kick-ass torrents in the Pirate Bay. Mm, yeah, I used to use those, but it kept giving me viruses. Yeah. Uh, you got a chance to watch uh, Stranger Things uh, all the way I through, did. right? All the way through to season two. Okay, give me the yeah, official I, Joe review of Stranger Things. Man, I loved it. Um, you know, kind of building off of what I said from season one last week, like, I just, I really like the vibe of it. It's it's kind of creepy. Uh, you know, they have some funny, lighthearted moments. It's... Um, you know, just everything, you know, you could really want from a TV show. I will say I like season one more than season two because season two felt more like a, a sequel of season one as opposed to building off of season one. Uh, my only worry from the show is where do they go from here? You know, it's going to be hard to keep doing this same show and not just telling the same story over and over again. But two seasons in, and I'm hooked. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's probably my favorite Netflix original out there. Um, yeah, it's, it's not even yeah, close to me. It's my favorite. Yeah, it's my favorite that they've ever done. Uh, you know, I, I know where they can go. I mean, they they did introduce some new characters whenever uh, Eleven or um, Jane or whatever you want to call her went to Chicago and met her. I guess 
her Indian sister, uh, yeah. <laughs> who has like a, <laughs> some kind of crazy powers. And then you know, if spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, if uh, if you watched at the end, they didn't actually uh, kill the monster, right? Yeah. So they just they just closed the gate, but that even he didn't actually go back inside the gate and stay there. So uh, I I think that they continue on with that. Plus they got the Chicago storyline and plus, you know, they got uh, all the, the closing of the lab, which I think is going to be unique and we'll see where it goes from here. I, I think they could do another, you know, one or two seasons. I, you know, it's disappointing when you're watching and you're like, fuck, I want more episodes, but I kind of like the fact that they only have like eight, nine episodes per season. So they're not doing what like, you know, the walking dead and thing, you know, cause the walking dead lost me after like season four they have so many right. episodes, right? And there's only so many times you can see them kill a zombie. But with this one, man, they, they have so many unique and cool characters and so many different directions they can go in. I'm fucking hooked. I love it. I can't wait for season three. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing, you know, I'm curious about is um, I think the sister, um, her number was eight. Um, you know, L, obviously, 11. Right. Um, so clearly there has to be a one through ten. Uh, so they they have some leeway there to introduce more characters to bring a new dynamic to each story because clearly you know each of those uh, I want I guess I'll just call them enhanced individuals you know have a different power because L has telepathy you know she can move shit with her mind and uh, her sister you know had she was able to make people see or not see things um, you know similar to um, Doctor Xavier from the X Men. Uh, you know, for some of us Marvel nerds out there, um, you know, he had that ability. So maybe, you know, we see, you know, some of these more characters come up, some of these other enhanced individuals. Like, you know, you have a lot of leeway there. I I'm curious to see what they can do with it. But, man, it's just I didn't think I'd be hooked on it as much as I did. But I started it last Thursday and I finished it on Monday. Like, that's how fast it was for me. Yeah, it, it, it's awesome. And I, you know, I'm glad that you got a chance to finally watch that. I was like, man, I didn't know you didn't watch that. It just yeah. like a show you would like. So uh, that's awesome. All right. Um, who, but you, who gives a shit for this week? Um, pretty much just Impact Wrestling, man. Um, Two weeks in a row? Just that, yeah, that, that, you know, last week it was Bound for Glory. But now it's just, it's the entire promotion. Um, I, I'm just, I wanted them to succeed. Uh, you know, I wanted them to have as many opportunities as they could, but man, they, they just, when you think they can't lower the bar anymore, they just start limboing under it like that. It's getting so bad there. Yeah, man. Uh, no, I feel you. And, and my, who gives a shit, man, this is going to be a surprise everybody. But I lost interest in Miss and Barrett Corbett already. <laughs> I already <laughs> lost interest in that match. I think maybe because all the other matches on Survivor Series look so great, I yeah. completely, like, totally forgot about the, the fact that Miz and Baron Corbin are actually having a match. And Miz actually had a good promo about it last week. Now I just don't give a shit. I, I'm just like, eh, yeah. you know, I could care less well, if that match happens or not. I mean, on paper the match is not going to be that great. I mean, these are not two fantastic technical wrestlers. So it, I would kind of compare it to, well, not quite the same, but Mayweather McGregor to where all the interest would be the hype before the match. Um, except for, you know, I would say Baron is not the McGregor or Mayweather type where he's going to hold up his end. But I, so I get it where it's coming from. You know, you got other great wrestling matches on the card now. So that match probably not going to live up to it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, thanks for uh, tuning in uh, a day early than expected. I will be out of town again this week, and we'll 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 see what we'll we'll just see when we have the show next week. We'll just we'll figure it out whenever we can get our schedules lined up, and uh, and we'll do it next week. But uh, hey, what you watching this weekend? You know, I'm going to get caught up on more NXT. Um, you know, I, I usually get about a week or two behind, so I'm going to really get into that and watch some WWE ride-alongs again. Um, I think I've watched all of them, but I'm going to go back and watch some more. And, man, those things are just really entertaining. If you guys haven't seen it, the one with the Shield, I'd highly recommend, and the Shield table for three, um, I, I'd highly recommend those. So I'll just be, you know, benching some stuff on the network. Cool. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to check out the, the UFC uh, show on Friday night, and then I actually got two new DVDs in from uh, jimcornette.com. And they uh, had a sale on their website, ten bucks a DVD. It's kind of like yeah. you know, one one DVD has like you know ten hours, and the other one has like fifteen hours or something like that. And uh, I bought, so I bought two of them. And I used the 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 winnings I had on Fanduel. I used that money <laughs> to to, to do it. Well, and then I quit Fanduel altogether because I'm like, well, you know, I'm way ahead. Go. I'm way ahead now, so I'm just gonna quit. So yeah, um, quit while you're ahead. And absolutely. you know what? Real quick, a quick recommendation to everybody. Get out there and fucking watch Thor Ragnarok. I watched that oh. this past weekend. Oh, nice. So damn good. So damn good. You know what? I I might actually watch that this weekend now that you said that. You know, a uh, couple of the airmen that work for me, they they both told me that I would like it. So uh, you're yeah. you're not the first person to tell me that. So uh, I will check that out, and then I will tell everybody about it next week. All right, hey, but that's going to do it for us this week, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Bye.